Hello and welcome to the Refreshing Change podcast. My name is Nicola Scott and I will be your host. Beth, thank you so much for joining me on the Refreshing Change podcast. Welcome. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. Um, we're going to dive into some good stuff about how we know ourselves and about people development. And I thought I'd bring mm. you in as the as the expert. Um, okay. <laughs> Beth and I have known each other for a while now, but probably from both of our former life working in kind of the sports development world in Scotland. Um, but for the benefit of the listeners, Beth, are you happy to kind of share a bit of your background, who you are, what you do, what you're all about? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So I'm a coach who supports clients in in all areas really personally and professionally I help them align their priorities by focusing their their energy in the right areas and and that results in them reaching their potential at home and at work and in life so it it, it is across the whole spectrum of their their world as it were as you, as you say I worked in sports development for 25 years um everything from grassroots to performance sport and that really ignited my passion uh, for for self improvement. Executive coaching and and leadership development was a, a natural progression for me from that. Um, I'm hugely interested in in people development generally, and and say I've got a healthy fascination in human behaviour. Mm. You know, knowing we're not the final article and we've got our destiny in our our own hands is a a key driver for me. Um, and the, within the coaching piece, I think it's important to remember if if your life's not working for you, then there's only one person that, that can change that really. And and these changes can can be easier with the support of a coach. Mm. Yeah, I love that. Amazing. How I ask all my guests this because I find it fascinating. I thought, um, like I, I've niched down into change coaching because I find change fascinating as a concept. But as I started asking people on the podcast, I was really surprised at people at the spread of people's answers about how they feel about it, how it in, impacts their life, how they embrace it. So talk to me, Beth, about how you feel about change and how does it show up in your life and what does it look like? Yeah, do you know, my relationship with change has been an interesting one. And one I would say that's evolved over several years, um, okay. or evolved particularly over my adult life, where you become a bit more aware of it. And I really didn't deal with change that well a few years ago. And um, now I've got various strategies or approaches that um, I probably go to um, in, I guess, adapting to change or or approaching change. Nice. And what... Um... Do you feel it's different based on, because I, I talk about often like change being in two camps, either the change that is forced upon us and we kind of have to ride with the punches or the the change that we that we uh, create for ourselves and go after ourselves. They're, they're quite different. Do you feel like you feel differently about those two camps or does it all kind of roll into one? I guess the two... Um... The two steps that I go through in my head is, first of all, looking at my own self-awareness around change. So I would probably touch in there first. And um, that's probably the the biggest starting point for me in terms of how I deal with change. And 
knowing that I'm in a changed situation, change is happening, being aware of that, um, and knowing how I react and deal with change has probably been my my biggest help. Um, yeah. And I guess in terms of the second bit that you mentioned there was around, I guess something I've worked very hard on is my adaptability. Mm. Um, and I guess nothing's more evident than the past over three years now that we need to increase our flexibility or adaptability to a changing volatile situation which we've had all around us um, and learning from that and I think improving my adaptability has been allowed me to focus on what, I've, what I'm in control of so what you said there about change that you're you're in control of or, or that's forced upon you and then looking at then the influencing things, you know, what you can control, what you can influence. We, we've talked about that before. Um, and then really understanding how you're going to deal with those situations. So are you going to reframe them? Is that something that you look at the opportunity in it? Uh, do you, how you navigate positively through that transition? And I think having those strategies has definitely improved my mental health well-being and you know stress and anxiety levels through you know what can be quite a steep change process or um, and also improve my performance so you're able to perform better in a change situation mm. I think that's true of, particularly when we've all been in that volatile couple of years that we've had but and I talked to lots of clients and my sister about this but the circle of control and the circle of influence yeah. and the things that we can't control about how much time and energy we expel on that wider circle of stuff that's happening in the world that we've got no control over but we let it influence or take over our thinking and the end you know so it like you say it's that heightened awareness to know where to channel our efforts really isn't it into what we can and, and can't control absolutely I mean, and we learn a lot of that through in sport which um we'll maybe come on to later but really uh around the weather the pitch the mm. referee the opposition you know you, you can bring lots of learning in there and you know the, there'll be parts of the situation that you want to explore um and that you can reframe and look at the learning from it and um, if it's a negative situation you might need to think actually um i'm going to reframe this into a positive outcome and, and what learning i can take from it but Having an increase in your adaptability and flexibility approach to that has been has been really, really helpful for me. Mm. I love that. I'm going to come back to that in a second, but I, I love the the thought about the learning. And I do that all, I don't know, I suppose once you've heightened your awareness and changed your behaviour, that repeated over time just changes your kind of autopilot, doesn't it? So I now, in any opportunity, whatever is going on, right, what am I learning here? What am I learning? What is yeah. this? And it's like a sponge soaking up all this new intel, which, yeah, just it, it I suppose it's fundamentally shifted the way I view my world and what, what's going on around me. Um, but like I say, yeah, it's a journey to that, putting those strategies in place to then shift the behaviour, isn't it? Yeah, and I think having that mindset, you know, we're when you're a coach full time and you, you've got your energy in the space, you, it lends yourself to that reframe and that opportunity and that learning mm. sometimes others need a bit of a nudge in the right direction yeah and also we're we're human you know we might need to get into the moment for a bit and have a bit of a rant and a rave and a uh you know and and then come down to realistically I guess pulling things back and go actually what can I do about this mm. very little but I can do x y and z over here and and that's going to make the biggest difference to me personally 
Um, so controlling the controllables, that circle of control and influence is really, really helpful in, in a change environment. Mm. And you kind of touched on, um, I think when you said about adaptability, different people having different personality types, and we're going to get onto some of that because I find that hugely fascinating. But what is it, I suppose, that, that piqued your interest in human development and human behaviour? What, Where did it come from? What does it look like? Tell us all. It's always been there. From when you start to work in sport, you start to work in uh, and explore people, you know, whether it's coaches, officials, volunteers, and you're looking at how they're developing. And then everything centres around the athlete. And then you look at the athlete in different situations. Um, and I, I just got more and more interested in it through sport and then generally broadening it out into leadership capabilities, leadership behaviours, um, I also I did a course in in 2012, which seems like a long time ago, <laughs> uh, which was neuro linguistic programming and mm. NLP. It's short. You, you may have heard of it. Some of your listeners may have heard of it. And it really focuses in on the impact your thoughts can have on your actions and your mindset. Um, and that, again, brings me back to we're in control of our own destiny. Um, if we're going to change our life, we're going to do it ourselves. You know, what are we telling ourselves about? our behaviours, our capabilities, or about our situation. Um, so that was probably a big learning curve um, and turning point, I guess, for me. Mm. I, I find it fascinating. I quite often ask myself the question, like, who am I and why am I the way I am? And, I, and yeah. sometimes it takes me really deep down into a bit of a dark hole for a while before I come back out. And other times it's quite enlightening and quite bright and cheery. But I suppose some of this work is, you know, Sometimes it's quite hard to hold the mirror up and start exploring some of that stuff, isn't it? Have you found that yourself? Yeah, well, I mean, one one way to look at that, I guess, would be around how we how we our perception and our perception of ourselves and our perception mm. of others is developed from a very very early age. You know, mm -hmm. that's shaped by our parents, by our community, by our school, by all the, all those things that are around us, and it's one of the reasons we actually explore perception um in you know in psychometric tools uh really understanding where your thought process is coming from where your behaviors are coming from and um, heightens our self-awareness and then we can understand our awareness of others better and how we interact in those in those different situations um, and it always also links back to that change point around adaptability mm. so if we're going to increase our adaptability we first need to understand why we're behaving in a certain way yeah I've done I've definitely and I think I maybe shared this with you before we record you know in the last time we caught up but it's um yeah some of the work that I've been doing with my own coach around some of that early childhood programming and and, mm. and again it's um find the whole you know the whole topic on trauma is a whole different podcast in itself but those early experiences don't have to be wildly traumatic you know the big scary life-shattering stuff that we think trauma is it might just be that you sh were shouted at in school or you fell over or you got embarrassed doing something and some of that stuff sticks mm -hmm. with us as we move through life and I, I find the whole thing really fascinating um but it goes back to the kind of foundations of who we are and why we're shaped the way we're shaped yeah it doesn't I'm, I'm definitely not an expert on 
on trauma or definitely early early trauma, I guess what what we do see is we see patterns developing and that's something that we see coming through in people's behaviour and unpicking sometimes where those patterns come from yeah. um, and what, where it then reappears in terms of our own expectations of self or our limiting uh, beliefs and our limiting behaviours, we can track that back to, to different patterns. Mm. Yeah, I suppose the work comes in to do the changes that have the awareness of what the pattern is, track it back to what start and start kind of um, refiguring and changing the behaviour from there, isn't it? Because I think you see a lot of, you know, we've just gone through the start of a new year. You see that in the new year, the kind of, um, whether it's diet culture or fitness culture, change your behaviour, but maybe there's a real, or I believe, I don't know what your take on this is, Beth, but I believe there's a real lack of, well, what's the mindset behind that behaviour that you've been displaying yeah. for the last 5, 10, 15 years? If things haven't worked before, there's probably a root cause of it. And the symptom yeah. is our lack of movement, how poor nutrition, whatever. But it, I definitely find that needs to be, people need to do more work on the, well, why do I think like this? What's the, where's it come from in the first place? Yeah. You think, yeah. I definitely agree. And actually, there's some of the work I'm doing just now and some of the self-study I'm doing just now is on those limiting beliefs. And why do I believe that? You know, do I have a belief around my health, around my fitness, around my weight management or around my confidence or around my ability to present in a different situation so mm. what is my belief really um inside me that then displays it dictates our actions actually that's probably a better way of putting it so if we unpick that belief then the subsequent actions could change mm. yeah funny I was just literally before we recorded this I had a session with my own coach this morning we were going to do a hypnosis but we ended up diving into some of my beliefs that I've got that are stopping me taking action to move to something that I want you know and he, sometimes yeah. I can't get my head around it I can I can see the destiny I can understand what I need to do to get there but it's all um and it's it's real subtle like it's you know and that's probably one of the benefits of working with a coach for someone to point some of this stuff out to you because it sits in our in our subconscious mind that and we can be unaware of it for years so yeah I love that working through some of it and shifting those patterns and behaviors yeah, or, or we're slightly aware of it and we choose to ignore it you know yeah. again we are human uh, and we're just like mm, that's in the too hard basket or you know so you need your coach to nudge you to mm. maybe to increase that personal accountability around the progress and what we know about habit forming you know it needs to be repeated you need you know these these diets that come in in January and the gyms are all busy in January and then oh it's all right you get your machine back in February mm. because we're not able to stick at it because we haven't formed a more positive habit. Mm. Yeah I don't know what your take on this is but I find habit forming like the literature on it's like there's an array of oh it takes you know 21 days or it takes 60 days or and I definitely with all of the coaching and stuff I do believe that everyone's different so yeah. your own personality and mindset and past experiences are going to form or, or inform sorry how long it's going to take you to form a habit but I did a little um, experiment this time last year actually I, I'm definitely not a morning person I've probably said this on the podcast before um but a friend and I committed to getting up at 7am and doing yoga on Zoom together for 12 weeks. And for 12 weeks, I turned up every day, wasn't, you know, I was on time, showed up. And we got to the end of 12 weeks and we stopped and I haven't got up and done yoga at 7am since. So 
it's interesting. I find that a fascinating, like the interplay between habit forming, accountability, personality type, what's a priority in your life, what would your drive and motivation, like in some respects are so intertwined that it's hard to sometimes find out what the what the thing is that's going to keep you going. Yeah, I mean, there's a couple of points you said there that struck with me and, and maybe again, it's my own personal um, connection with habits and, and one of them was motivation. So mm-hmm. are you mo- motivated? And it depends how you're motivated, how your mindset is that. Are you motivated, you, you know, away from something or towards something? Mm. Um, and, and also the the accountability, the group accountability, what level of accountability is that so with you it was your friend and and 7am zoom booking and paying a class that might be enough accountability for some um you know or actually being in a team environment with other people that were going to be there with you might be you know might might be the level that you have to go to so again it's personal but I think accountabilities and motivations are are really key because it comes back to again where there's a will there's a way you know if if you've really got a strong enough will you'll find a way to do it mm. yeah and I think even with accountability I don't know if you've come across and I can share it in the show notes for the listeners but um the four tendencies by Gretchen Rubin don't know if you've come across it but it was one of these online just throw another personality quiz in the mix um okay one of these online ones and it's not an exact science but it gives you a bit of an indication and I probably knew before I had taken the quiz I'm a tend to be an external accountability person it's why I wear an apple watch it's why I need a friend to get on zoom with <laughs> me it's why I book classes at the gym rather than go and work out yeah and, what, and and the the bit of insight or growth or awareness I've been having real like really recently in the last you know four or five weeks is how much have I told myself and labelled myself as an external accountability person that I then just perpetuate that and repeat that yep. behaviour? So I then give myself a break, say, oh, well, I didn't show up and do that, but I didn't have the external accountability, rather than, I suppose, flexing the muscle of self-discipline mm-hmm. and showing up even when there are moments where there's not external accountability rather than relying on it. So it's, and again, we'll get into the personality profile and stuff in a second, but I find it interesting that sometimes a label can support us on our onward journey but sometimes it can stop us and almost in my case sometimes use it as a bit of an excuse to be like well I didn't have that in place so that's why that didn't work out for me do you know what do you know what I mean yeah and that also I guess that's also your internal language playing out again so Mm. that's you talking to yourself and don't you remember right back when when we first met on the leadership program Mm -hmm. you know do you remember we talked about self-talk Mm, you know yeah. and, and be careful be careful what you're telling yourself mm-hmm. um, and that was something that Bruce and Claire talked about a lot and, and really being clear about what what's the connotations of that self-talk mm. uh, and that links in also with with the work that we do with NLP. Mm. I suppose that we'd be right in saying or assuming that it, most people's self-talk is defaulted to quite negative self-talk. Would you agree with that or what's the take on I think we probably get a bit of both we're working with a group just now where there were some people that maybe had a few blind spots and yeah. uh, maybe were and um, their their self-talk was a bit more positive than the reality so it, it can go okay both ways. <laughs> nice good to have a have a, a diverse group but yeah yeah I suppose it's that um when I hear self-talking like 
I jumped to thinking about inner critic, you know, and that yeah. little voice in your head that's chipping away at your own kind of self-belief and self-worth. And we've probably all got aspects of that, don't we? Just to but keeping it in check a little bit, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. And and then turning it around to be more positive and work for you. Mm. You know, so start to think about turning it into a positive outcome or a positive goal, something you can work towards, something that you think actually this is going to be very beneficial to me and, and really flip it on its head. Mm. Yeah, nice. Right, let's dive into personality profiling because we've spoken about it a little bit before and I, I find yeah. the whole thing fascinating so for people that maybe are listening they maybe come across one or two and they're you know if they're working in corporate and they've had to fill in online forms and done all that yeah. sort of stuff but what is like what is personality profile what's the benefit why would we use it fill us in Beth yeah there, there's there's lots of different ones as you've mentioned the the most common ones that we come across probably in in corporate in in the UK certainly would be things like um insights it's a global um psychometric tool and behavioral preference tool based in Dundee, so based right here in Scotland. Um Myers Briggs, Spotlight, which has come out of the work of the English Institute of Sport, the, the Hogan testing, talent dynamics. There's lots of different ones that will pe people will pick up on. Um, and several of those are, are based on some quite core um psychology based on uh Carl Jung's psychology, which then makes them quite transferable and, and quite relatable. You can you can know about one and translate it. So you can know about mm. disk and you can translate it into the language of insights. So there's a whole range out there that people will pick up on. Um, and they're really things like insights and disk. That they're a forced response questionnaire. Um, so they're asking you to choose a behaviour for a particular reason. They're asking almost you to nail your colours to the mask. And it really explores your own self-awareness and then your behavioural preferences. So we talk a lot during the sessions about it being pref preference-based rather than competency. So if you have a particular mindset around detail and analysing and analytics and things like that, doesn't mean you're a spreadsheet ninja. It just means that that's how you like to spend your time. You get good energy from it. Uh, so it's very much preference-based, it's behavioural-based, and it's um, rather than a competency. Um, so it should be delivered and, and used as part of a development process rather than a competency, you know, uh, performance management or, or anything like that. It's very much a self-development tool. And I think when we, when we look at the benefits of psychometrics there, I mean, this is my personal opinion, but I, I very much believe that understanding yourself and, and your self-awareness is, you know, it's the key to self-development. Mm. So what we can do, and it's often discussed hand in hand with um, emotional intelligence and, with emotional intelligence, we, what we know now is a key foundation for leadership effectiveness. You know, it's a key pillar in, in how effective we are in leadership environments. And the good news about self-awareness and emotional intelligence is that it can be worked on and it can be developed um, mm. and it evolves over a lifetime and, and it can be accelerated by working with a coach on it. One of the ways that you can do that uh, and once you understand yourself and where you're at, you can start to plan the way forward. But one of the ways that you can do that, one approach is to use a psychometric profiling tool. Um, and that alongside a, a series of coaching conversations um, forms a, you know, a good basis of a development plan. Um, I guess some of the advantages of using a, a psychometric is that 
you can get a bit of an objective view so you get more detail more information to describe your behavioral styles and preferences and and then the profile um it's just a framework to build a coaching conversation on uh, a robust and reliable psychometric can also let the real self come out mm. you know we talked earlier about perception um, and that might be this is how I think I am but actually they're, they're very you know they're scientifically validated there's a lot of research that goes into designing them um, so it brings out strengths maybe blind spots stuff that you're not aware of some development areas um, so it's a so it gives you a broad window of of insight into yourself, and it can, you know, it can it can also um, be quite beneficial if you use data or you need information and data to validate some of your your thoughts, um, and also maybe the value you bring to a team or different contributions different contributions you make. So, um, the, the, I find them very beneficial. Um, I believe using them in in a coaching conversation or a coaching plan, you know, it does it does offer benefits, but it's it's only really part of the story. Mm. It identifies your tendencies and your and your preferences and gives you a starting point. But the balance for you and your coach will be to find a tool that, that you connect with and that gives you the information that, that you want. And um the real magic and the real development of the individual comes in the coaching conversation and the conversations with your coach. Mm. yeah I love that that you said you know it's a piece of the puzzle because I I quite often think of the kind of whole personal and professional development as like a jigsaw puzzle and it's like every Mm -hmm. whether it's a coaching conversation whether it's doing a personality profiling whether it's reading a book whether it's listening or learning all of that um like adds to our level of self-awareness to then put the jigsaw puzzle together to then have the clarity of now I can see the full picture and um, yeah. I don't know whether we always get to the point of seeing the full picture because I feel like there's always something else to learn about ourselves. but it's that um yeah like it's it's it, that by itself I think you're then missing lots of other aspects of yourself do you find when you're working with people with um which which is spotlight the one you use or is it insights what- I use two I use insights so I've been using insights for 10 12 years now mm-hmm. Um, and more recently, Spotlight. Because um, I, I think it's Myers-Briggs is the one that I've done, did it in my old kind of uh, job back in the day. Um, and when I, I was going through the process, thinking about this before we came on and recorded, but it's t- trying to tap into what was innately who I was versus what was my learned behaviour because of the corporate environment that I was in and, the you know, yeah. whether it's... I played that particular role in the team based on everyone else and you learn that behavior. So yeah. is that quite a common thing for people to get their head around who am I versus who, what role have I played or how have I learned to be this person? Yeah. So we will ask them, I mean, this is getting quite techie. So stop right. me if you think I'm really going to switch, I'm really going to switch people off. But insights, for example, um, mm-hmm. based on the same psychology as Myers-Briggs. So let's pick that one. Um, same psychologist, Carl Jung, but what you get with that information, uh, we ask people to complete it based on how they are at work. Mm. Um, and that gives you, this is your conscious persona. This is how you're showing up. This is how you're acting when you are in these situations, these work contexts. 
based on some of the theory, which I won't go into, he has a theory around, the psychologist has a theory around polar opposites and your less conscious self. Mm. And that um, is more habitual behaviour. Okay. Um, and what the, the part of the tool does, it tells you, well, what does it need to take me to get from a more habitual behaviour to how I'm showing up at work? Mm. So how much energy am I putting in? Which areas am I having to put the energy into? Mm. Um, almost to get me from A to B. So when I go out the door, and I'm, or if we bring sport back in, to get my game face on, to get my work face ready, how, what behaviours am, am I having to dial into? Am I having to use more readily? Mm. Yeah, nice. It is interesting. And um, I kind of just like reflecting on my, I suppose, my own journey and insight that was engaged. And some of it, I suppose, I don't know if, if this is true for the people that you work with, Beth, but some stuff doesn't come as a surprise. And then I think nope. sometimes you're like, oh, right. Oh, I didn't really quite expect that. What You know, there's normally a few uh, light bulb moments. Uh, but sometimes, I suppose it depends on people's level of self-awareness before they do a bit of profiling. Yeah. I kind of always knew, like, I'm not one of these um, detailed data, uh, everything needs to be in its box kind of people. I'm a kind of big picture, like, tell me what I need to know. I don't need to know all the detail. What are those folk? Um, and I was aware of that before I did it. But there was one, I think, with the Myers-Briggs where I could, I was kind of almost fluctuating between both. I can't remember mm -hmm. which one it was. It's maybe this it sensing and feeling or anyway. But mm -hmm. sometimes, and I think when I've done things like that before, it's almost trying to tap into your gut reaction response to mm -hmm. doing the questionnaire. Because I definitely have been guilty in the past of getting into my overthinking brain and yeah. second guess myself on some of the answers. Yeah, we would we would definitely encourage people just to not overthink it. Just mm. to, it should only take you, you know, 15, 20 minutes. So, so depending on the, the psychometric, there'll be between 20 and 24 questions. And just, mm. you know, just go and get a quiet space so you're not interrupted. Um, and really go with it. But, but you're right about people getting the... So some, depending on the level of self-awareness, it'd be like high, high level of connection with it, you know, really high validity, as we would say. Um, I'd be like, some people say, have you been stalking me? Who else helped Who else helped you fill this in? Where else did you get information from? Right. No, you told us all that because mm. of the sophistication of, of the tool. Um, and then I was working with someone, uh, not that recently, a few months ago, that said, reading the profile, I fell in love with myself again. So oh God, it was I just that. Like, I know, because they were like, do you know, this is me. This is who I can be. And if you're in a bit of a dip, mm -hmm. it really brings out your your strengths. It brings out your value to the team um, and all the different things. I think about this is how I get confidence. This is how, you know, I am when I'm, you know, I'm having to dial into my resilience. So the, there's a lot of information in there. And and when people invest in one, it's not just a one-off conversation. There's so much information that you can work on you know, for months and a year uh, in front of you. So um, that they are very valuable. But as as we said before, that they are, it's only part of the story. So mm. um, they're, they're good, good tools to have. The other thing that happened in a session recently, and even though people had worked together for a number of years, they'd be, you know, pushing double figures in terms of how long they'd worked together, they hadn't got to the depth of conversation. Um, about their behaviours and maybe that's a Scottish thing oh I don't want to mm. talk about myself but it was easier for them to almost hand over this document and say I agree with this this is absolutely true about me have a read you know mm. and it just got them and then once they had done that they got into a different depth of conversation in terms of 
their line management and, and employee conversations, which was fantastic. That was really, it was a great session. Yeah, I love that. I suppose it's the, it provides a bit of common currency for folk in terms yep. of opening that dialogue where it might be otherwise quite difficult to broach the subject. And I remember then you mentioned earlier, we were on a, um, well, I was on a leadership programme that you were facilitating and, and hosting and the, I always remember doing the values exercise and it's now a really mm -hmm. pivotal bit that I do with coaching clients to understand yeah. who they are. But I suppose I was going to say about the individual versus team dynamic going through something like behaviour, uh, personality profiling or understanding yourself about how that then allows those relationships, particularly within a corporate setting, within a team environment and playing, I suppose, playing the the right role within a team and again sports mm. lens, sport lends itself as well you don't have a football team full of strikers you need people playing different positions with different strengths and different skill sets and the same is true of a of a team so in terms of some of the leadership work you do do you see that the personality profile playing quite a large role to have those team dynamic conversations yeah it very much so it does. And even what you're saying there, you know, we're talking a lot in the corporate setting mm. and in society at the moment about equality, diversity, inclusion. And even from a behavioural preference sense, you start to look at the different the diversity within your team. You start to think about valuing people's differences and the contribution they make. What skill set do they bring that you don't have and the compliments that, that they can make to achieving common goals? Um and and really appreciating those those skills and behaviors and understanding um and this is a good conversation discussion to have is that no behavioral preferences are better than the others mm. you know but there might be a perception that this is what how this is how you need to be a leader this is what leadership is whereas we know that leadership happens with all types of different approaches and different behaviors so that can be a an interesting conversation to have a group which have different views Mm, yeah I love that thought there's no and if you, if you broaden that out to society there's no one right way or wrong way to be to in terms of our own how we show up as individuals take it out of the corporate setting so it's almost like stepping into the power it's the awareness gives you or I the way I think about it is the awareness gives you the confidence to be who you are like innately yeah. who you're designed to be and what your life experiences have shaped you into the awareness might just allow you to then shift you know, like we said, tweak a behaviour or show up slightly differently or to be able to communicate what your needs are based on your type of how you want to live your life and who you are. So opens up all of those doors, doesn't it? It, it does. And some of the definitions you read about self-awareness, that they'll look at our intra-self-awareness. So some, some researchers put it into two, two buckets. So look at our intra uh, or our self-awareness from an interest perspective, that's your beliefs, your values, your behavioural traits. It's all internal. Mm. And then they'll look at their their inter, you know, and that's how you engage with others. And it's also how, you know, some of the work done by Daniel Goldman builds out in terms of your self-awareness um, and then your self-management and then, you know, your relationship management, your, your social awareness and just how you build from that. So you start totally anew. And then you can adapt your behaviour um, in more effectively in some of those other interactions. But it all starts with you. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I suppose that's where if we were getting into a kind of leadership chat in terms of, um, again, whether it's in the corporate or sport, or I suppose they, those, 
if I'm thinking of people I know in senior positions that are leading organizations, the people that are good at it have got self-awareness. Mm-hmm. They're tapped into knowing themselves to then, I suppose, get the best out of other people or bring people on the journey um, rather than, yeah, rather than putting it all external onto everyone else in the team. Um, do you do most of your work well, like with individual or are you doing a bit of team stuff or is it a mix of both or what? A mix of both, actually. Um, and they can be, you know, we might do a, a one-on-one psychometric as part part of a series of coaching conversations. People might come to me as part of their own leadership program and I'll just do the psychometrics or we have a full blend of um, psychometrics integrated into team dynamics. So but whatever works in terms of the needs of the individuals and also the needs of the organisation. Mm-hmm. And just like throw you on the spot, Beth, when we're chatting about leadership, like what, um, like what makes a good leader in your eyes? Like if you were to write a JD for a good a good leader, what would you be looking for? What skills or qualities do you reckon? Well, do you know? I mean, you touched on it there. Good leaders need to have self awareness. Mm. They have to have um, high level communication skills. They need to be able to communicate, adapt their communication. They need to have, you know, effective team making skills. Leaders need to be effective. They need to be good at effective team building, building a team around them. So they might not have all those personality traits and behaviours, but they need to build a team around them. But they also need to um, positively influence other projects and, and groups of employees and employee engagement. So that team effectiveness, team dynamic is, is very important. Um, and And also... Their decision making, you know, we'll maybe talk about this when you, you look at different elements of personalities in sport, but they, they need to be effective decision makers. Um need to have confidence, confidence in themselves and, and their ability. Um and probably need to be quite resilient. It's not always going to be, you know, leadership is an up and down um journey, I would say, but they, they need to be quite resilient to to keep on moving forward. Mm. And there's probably aspects of those, like I would full heartedly agree with all of that stuff that you just said. I suppose there's aspects of that that you can demonstrate no matter what level you are in your career. You know, there's that thought, or certainly I've got that train of thought of like, you know, a leader's not just someone at the top of the pyramid effectively or someone leading the organisation. You can be a leader in whatever role you're playing if you sort of embody those, you know, self-awareness, good communication, being part of a team making a positive impact all of that sort of stuff I suppose as people move through their career they can channel that at any stage and age would you agree totally it's yeah. so some of the work we do will be deep into an organization and it'll be everybody from yeah. um administrative support people on the front desk right up to the chief exec and leadership starts as you said self-awareness it starts with leading yourself yeah. and then you might look at leading projects they might be leading work areas or departments, then they might be leading teams, leading organizations, you know, so it does evolve. Um, and bringing it back to how do you lead? How do you lead effectively? What are the what are your capabilities and, and your behaviors that are effective leadership capabilities? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love that. So just to touch on, I suppose, a bit more about the, like, I've always thought that corporate can learn a lot, lot from sport and maybe vice versa, although I've that would be the way that comes to my mind first. So what yeah. I know I know you 
um, have not only worked in sport, but you take part in sport. Like, what do you think that we should be learned, like life lessons or, you know, corporate lessons that we can be taken from sport? I do. I do think there's there's lots of them. I working in sport, as you say, and I I played. I was fortunate to play sport to the highest level, which has been really crucial in my own development, my own personal development. Totally invaluable, um, and also has shaped, I would say, how I see the parallels between sport and business, and and I use that a lot um, within within my work. And I think sport has quite a unique role to play in our development. Uh, development of us as individuals and organizations but there's key areas that I would pick out we've talked a lot about self-awareness today so I won't go into that too much but the self-awareness piece is interesting for me because sport teaches us a lot about ourselves mm-hmm. teaches a lot about ourselves when we're under pressure uh, just as an individual um we've also talked about teamwork a bit today or a role in teams so that would be one that I would Pull out, and it may be obvious, um, but knowing exactly what your role is and mm-hmm. recognizing what somebody else's role is and valuing that contribution in order to, you know, I was from a rugby background to get the ball over the line, you know. So what's their contribution in in achieving the goal of what you're you're trying to do? So mm-hmm. um sport teaches a lot in business and, and leadership, I think, from from those perspectives. Communication again, we Effective communication is probably one of the best leadership qualities or capabilities that can be taught through sport, particularly a sport, a team sport like rugby union, which was which was mine. You know, your effective communication was all over the place, and you, you get it wrong, and you know something's there's going to be a drop ball at, mm. at some point. Um, and one that I'm seeing, even my son, my son's eight, he's just taking up rugby. Seeing him exploring now is decision making so he's Mm -hmm. starting in a team sport to make decisions based on you know the information that's in front of him based on observation based on communication of what he's hearing what he's seeing so Mm -hmm. he's already making decisions and I think that can happen in both a team sport and in an individual sport Mm -hmm. um so lots of different bits that we'd focus in on and I guess the confidence, the personal attributes of confidence and resilience, again, sports people learn to deal with success and failure, you know, from a very early age, um, which can build up their their confidence and and resilience. Life's full of ups and downs. I guess it's just how we manage them and how we deal with those that will determine whether we kick on after a, you know, a setback or how we continue to pursue success um how we look, look towards a goal and keep focused on things so so many things really that you can take from sport into business and I'm sure there's been things since you know increased professionalism across a range of sports in our, in my lifetime I'm sure there's things from business that have gone back the other way as mm. well you know that there will have been I mean we I know we've come from sport to business but the, there'll be lots of things that we're taking that the high-performance teams and clubs and organisations are taking from business back into the sports environment. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I loved all of that. The one thing that stood out for me when you were saying that, Beth, was around knowing your role in the team. And I think it's like mm-hmm. diving into, I suppose, yet yeah, based on whether you've done psychometrics or you've just heightened your level of self-awareness or done some personality profiling, understanding what your strengths are and fully like 
empowering yourself through that I, th- I find a lot and I don't know if that if this resonates with you or not but like reflecting on my own career and own journey and working with other people particularly and I heard this in a podcast as well but particularly with a kind of younger generation so a real lack of people not wanting to get things wrong or to be seen to not know things or have certain weaknesses and I remember doing one a kind of team building event at work and we looked at our strengths and our non-strengths we didn't label them weaknesses and we were yeah. chatting chatting a lot around the non-strengths yeah we can work on them we can become more competent at something within that but actually if we don't get our energy from that stuff why not focus all their energy on strengthening our strengths and I just love that yeah. that's really stuck with me and now having the confidence and being comfortable to say like if you want to help with your IT, well, I'm absolutely not the person to ask. It depends maybe <laughs> me. if it's maybe if it's my mum or dad, then maybe I am, you know, more competent than they are. But generally, or if you want um, you know, someone to proofread something or do detailed orientated stuff, like nah, like don't come to me. I don't I've got zero interest in that stuff. But here's where I can help you and here's where my strengths lie and really stepping into that. I think mm-hmm. that's I found that really empowering in my own life. But I find um or I suppose I'd encourage people that are listening because I do think there's a there's this desire or want to be good at everything and you know to to keep working on the weaknesses whereas I don't know I don't know what your take on that is don't really know where it came from but that was just a thought about that knowing your role in the team I'm coming with my strength and I can give you all of that and more and that's where I excel but don't come and ask me to do a b and c because that's not my bag I don't know if you've experienced that yourself or any thoughts yeah, I think I, w- I would say I've experienced it in work and and also in sport. So I think that knowing your super strengths um, and really focusing in on them. And I think you're right. People are more talking now about development areas or blind spots rather than weaknesses because it's yeah. stuff that we continue. We need to continually work on our strengths, making super strengths because you're already good at it. Let's keep yeah. don't take the eye off that ball. Yeah. And then you know we do. You know there might be some areas that will be beneficial for us to to put a bit more development time into as well and how do you how do you bring them up and I think when you get into team dynamics and the effectiveness of the team and mm. um, you will know who your go-to people are I think often though as well um we need to that needs to be a bit of a balance that we take we say you know that we're going to x because they're really good at a b and c mm. um, and that might be it might be their preference to work in those areas. So one of my team previously um, wouldn't have maybe said that she was detail-orientated and loved the project plan, given a massive uh, national project to do. There was Gantt charts, there were spreadsheets, there was everything. So back to my point earlier about preference over competence, it's mm-hmm. not always a competence. Mm-hmm. Um, it might just be that I don't really get energy from it. Mm-hmm. So there might be times when you have to do it and you have to dial into that. Uh, your team needs you to because you're the best person for the job. But um, there might be other times when we can pull on other people. Mm. Yeah, definitely. I think, um, it, it, and even just that as a leader, I suppose I'm, I just was reflecting on the team I used to manage in terms of their different profiling and characteristics and strengths and all of that sort of stuff and taking all that on board. It shifted then, I suppose, some of my behaviors as a leader to deliver things in a way that suited a wide range of people um 
So just because I'm happy and comfortable to fly by the seat of my pants quite a lot of the time and go into meetings unprepared and just wing life like that, that was my my go-to. My boss knew that. He was the same way inclined. Um, that made some of my team really anxious and nervous. So actually, they needed an agenda 24 hours before the meeting. They needed to know when we were going to stop for lunch so they could plan their day. Yeah. They needed to know... So it's having the, I suppose, not just self-aware, well, awareness of self to be able to adapt how I show up and respond, but to understand other people's needs and a somewhat compromise or, or come to some sort of arrangement, um, but also to allow them to step into their strengths. There was, um, again, because they're not detail-orientated, note-taking and assigning deadlines and all of that sort of following up, not my bag. But someone else in the team loved it and that was their strength area. Right, crack on. You keep us all accountable and chuck stuff in our diaries and follow up and send the notes. And that was their safety bit. Like that made them feel good about it. So I suppose it's not feeling like you have to do everything yourself and splitting everything up and involving everyone in a team to get to the end goal, isn't it? Yeah, I think also though when you were talking there, I was going to say something similar around what but what Nicola was the impact on your team with your behaviors mm. like that so mm. really in order as a leader your role is to get the best out of those around you mm. so maybe you compromising or adapting your behavior a certain extent um to make sure that you got the best out created the right environment for them to flourish Mm. and there needs to be a bit of self and team discovery even to get to the point that you're talking there because otherwise somebody might nobody might take notes mm. you know so how did you you know at, at some point uh, there's been an awareness of well Nicole's not following up on any of this stuff <laughs> and uh, I'm you know I'd quite like to do that I'm going to put my hand up and do it mm. but you know that, that could equally have, uh, have not happened so mm. um first point is the awareness then it's the impact on on others and then it's the conversation say right what are we going to do about this have we got a gap or actually we're just leaning into somebody else to to fill that role mm. yeah and to be fair I probably should have caveated with we did a lot of team development so we were well aware well, see, there you go. it's yeah. yeah so powerful I suppose it just yeah echoes what you said about all the benefits we'd all done Myers-Briggs we'd all shared each other's results we'd done yeah. loads of team development days high performing teams all of that sort of stuff so I knew exactly who was in the room and what what would get yeah. the best out of them it's the same I find it fascinating you know a lot of people um, bracket themselves as an introvert or an extrovert and I'm playing about with where I put myself in that camp because I think it's I actually think I've changed with the in a post-covid world a little bit um which has been quite interesting but knowing that you know some people will sit back in a meeting and you know they'll just be reflecting and thinking yeah. and unless they're invited to speak you're not going to hear from them and I knew there was people in the team that did that so you have to create the space to, to allow them to share their golden nugget whereas people like myself I just sit and talk through all the you know in the whole meeting if I could yeah not selfishly, I like to share the floor with folk, but, it, you know, that is my way of thinking and processing and talking ideas through. So it's just, yeah, it's the awareness of people around you, isn't it? And I think um, lots of things impact on the effectiveness of meeting environments, but that's a whole mm. other conversation. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, but introversion and extroversion is, is probably, in terms of a behavioural sense, probably one of the biggest influencers of it. And what we do know is that... It, we're all on a spectrum, you know, an introversion and an extroversion spectrum, and it can be contextual. And also, 
um, making sure that we create the right environment around everybody to to pull that out. You know, some organisations that I've worked in have been all flip charts and post-its, and that for people that are high introvert gives them the fear. You know, I don't want to be up there with all that stuff. But also, what you said there around, you know, I'm just processing, and that's a classic extroversion tendency. Is I'm doing my thinking outside of my head, and I'm going to share it with you all. You're all going to come along my thought process and journey with me, yeah. and I will get there. Whereas somebody with a more introversion preference, they're going to sit back, they're going to quietly reflect. They're going to do their thinking. And then when they've absolutely nailed what they want to say, they're going to come out with it. Mm. Um, so, you know, managing the different conversations and different individuals in the team is uh, pretty crucial to get the best out of everybody. Mm. Yeah, I love that. Well, I could chat all day about this sort of stuff, Beth, because I just find it so fascinating. But we've covered a lot and we yes. talked a lot about self-awareness, which I knew we would, because I think that discovering self is so important. But if someone was kind of just starting their journey, what would be your first kind of go-to to start exploring self-awareness or to start raising your your own level of awareness? Well, I guess it depends if you do have, if you've got the opportunity to, to look at your self-awareness uh, look at it through the lens of a psychometric that really does accelerate it but it does take a bit of a bit of resource and um, whether that's supported by your organization but even just being just being consciously aware of different situations well, why did I react that way mm-hmm. and and even thinking about those analogies there about how do I interact with the environment am I more reflective am I am I quieter um what do I have when when do I bring discussion into to to team meetings and things and how do I make decisions you know how do I buy a car you know what information am I looking for is it the set the feel the drive or am I quite factually orientated quite detail orientated and just the starting point for me is literally become more consciously aware of how you're operating how you like to work Mm. Um, and then if the opportunity arises to do some psychometric work, grab it with both hands and fully embrace it. And it would be, um, you know, it's a bit of a gift, I think, a psychometric. You could, I wouldn't maybe wrap it up for Christmas, but it does give you a lot of information that you can keep using um, and, you know, keep using in different situations and different contexts. So, yeah, different, different ways to kick it off. Amazing. Beth, thank you so much for all your time and wisdom and knowledge. Like we, we hit on a few topics that could be a whole podcast in themselves. So <laughs> um there's loads in there. But yeah, thank you so much for, for coming along. No, great, lovely to see, lovely to chat. I'm similar, I could chat about this stuff all day. Thank you so much for listening. I really hope you enjoyed that episode. And make sure you subscribe and follow the podcast so that next week you can join us again.